Get to Old Navy right now. Get up to 40% off jeans, outerwear, and tees. Plus, grab stylish new jeans from just 18 bucks for adults, 12 for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Hurry, ends tonight. Valid 1020 to 1028, select styles only. Indie Radio presents The Spotlight, Internet Radio Show, Season 14. The program that puts the spotlight on independent content creators. Each week, our hosts bring to you entertaining and thought-provoking episodes. This is your home for news about television, film, gaming, and much, much more. Join us live here every Wednesday as we bring to you interviews and biting commentary. And now, your hosts, Jen and Kente. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. I am your host, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, Kente. This is episode number 259, and this is a special episode. We normally don't do our show on uh, Sundays, but because of our special guest today, we are making a special episode and I'm very excited about it. But before we get into our special guest for today, let me introduce my wonderful co-host. It's the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing great. It's really fun to be up on a Sunday morning, actually do the spotlight. It's a little different, a little out of a uh, little out of our regular schedule, but still fun. And uh, just so that you all can appreciate this. It's nine o'clock in the morning here, so I'm 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 I, I may not be at my best, but I will give it my one hundred percent. It's so funny because people are like, "You're on right now?" <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So, um, of course, we love participation, and if you are checking us out live, please make sure that you can um, have. Uh, please make sure you go to the top chat section of this uh, page and just put in there, say something, let us know that you are here and we will recognize you being here. All right. So let's get into the episode. We are so blessed to be joined by podcaster, uh, bl- blogging diva herself, Elaine Smith, Eileen Smith. Sorry. <laughs> Eileen Smith. How you doing? Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a long time coming, Kente and Jen. And I'm really happy to be here with you guys today talking about content. Yes, we're going to be talking a lot about content. And, um, you know, I people have heard me say this quite a bit. Um, I used to be a part of this website. It was called Blab. And while I was on Blab, I had the pleasure of meeting so many wonderful people. And the person uh, this our guest today is one of the people that I met on Blab. And a lot of us, we still miss that website. It was an amazing uh, website. And I see Leah and Sniff Sniff are in the chat room. Big up to them. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's how we met was on Blab. And uh, I mean, yeah, I know it's what was it? It's been about two years since Blab went down. Oh, it's it's gone on three now. Three. Wow. Yep. That is crazy. I literally, I think I was the last show on Blab because literally it went down during our show. 
I had the Black Empowerment 365 show, and it literally went down in the middle of it. And I was getting, uh, you know, tweets and messages like, you know, people were sending me, hey, you know, I can't get into your show because the site is down. And I was like, oh, wow. So we were literally the last show <laughs> on Blab. You know, I am a person who goes to bed. I turn in very early and I wake up super early every day. That's how I get stuff done. And that night I had gone to bed and around nine or 10, which I never wake up that time, something just said, get up and go on Blab. And that's when I saw it was shut down. (laughs) But, you know, because we, we kind of knew that it was coming. And the reason why I want to talk about this and I'm glad you brought it up is because, you know, we can't depend on these platforms to stay connected with one another because you just never know. And so what we had done, a lot of us had said, let's make sure we're connected beyond whatever happens with Blab, because we could see the handwriting was on the wall. And even if it hadn't shut down, things were getting kind of bad over there. They were just not responding to support calls and all that stuff. So we were like connecting with each other. We're like, where do you hang out? You hang out on Facebook? Do you hang out on Twitter? Is, is uh, Instagram, is that your platform of choice? And so that's how a lot of us were able to still stay connected because of the other platforms that we uh, made sure that we were connected on. And had we not done that, we probably all would have lost touch. But we, we kept that connection, and that's what we have to do, guys. You know, these platforms, they come and they go. And even the big ones that will have different features that they offer us. And then, you know, everybody knows about Facebook adpocalypse on YouTube. You know, they right. change those algorithms right. when you least expect it, right? When you really get comfortable and start depending on it, that's when they switch up. So you got to make sure that you have other ways of staying connected with your audience. Right. Um, I saw the writing on the wall before it went down and I started a Facebook group called the Podcasters and Streamers Alliance. And so a lot of the Blab people joined up and other people I know who who are in the podcasting streaming arena. So that was a way that we had already had that established. So that really helped in that transition, too, as well. And there's other groups as well. So, uh, you know, um, I'm glad, though, because, you know, uh, it's funny, though, certain people, uh, if it was meant to be, you're still connected with other people, you know. You know, you're only supposed to be with them for a short period of time anyway. So it is what it is. That's how I I look at it. So, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but one more thing I want to say about that. And we see this coming up again with Google Plus. Right. You know, right now we're on Hangouts and this is really where I cut my teeth Mm -hmm. when it comes to live streaming was with Google Plus and Hangouts. So I'm kind of glad that. They had already separated that connection between Hangouts and, you know, now you're actually on YouTube Live. But Google, because this is not their first rodeo with shutting down apps, right? They have given us well uh, advanced notice. They've given us more than enough time to figure out what we're going to do with our content, 
because that's important. We got to download our content and get it off of there in case we want to ever use it for anything. And also to uh, make sure that we have another fallback, another platform where we can connect with those that we got introduced to on Google+. So that's the big difference. Google does have class when it comes to that. They know they give us a heads up ahead of time versus the folks at Blab. And yeah, I'm just going to say they shut down in the middle of the night. And that was not a class act. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, especially after you built up such a, a a great fan base of people who are so loyal. You know, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of crazy, but uh, you know, it is what it is. And I'm glad that we a lot of us have you know moved on and to bigger and better things. Hopefully, so right. we're still connected. We are so. still connected. Yes. So I, I want to get into a little bit about your background. Um, where are you from originally? Let's start off there. Oh, okay. Actually, it's from where I am right now, Philadelphia. Uh, you guys, Jan was talking about how it's early in the morning for her. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I've uh, born and raised here in Philadelphia. In fact, I lived in the one house where I'm Actually, my parents, they passed away. So I, I'm owner of that house now and I'm about, it's being renovated. I'm about to rent it out. But the house that I live in now is the one that was my grandmother's house. Wow. So I kind of don't go too far. I stay in my little bubble. <laughs> and, you know, I love being here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly effectiveness as I was taught by one of our uh, city council people. So the, this is my origins. Now, uh, earlier in the pre-show, we talked a little bit about my daughter. And the reason why I said I can't really talk about content without talking about my daughter is because uh, I have an adult daughter. For those who don't know, her name is Nicole. And when Nicole... We're going to go back to around 2009, and for a while she moved away from Philadelphia. She was living in L.A. with her dad. And so she messaged me one day. She says, Mom, I have a blog. And I was like, I know about blogs. Most of my Internet was just looking up stuff on Wikipedia and Internet Movie Database, but I know about blogs. But I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do, but I knew I wanted to follow my daughter's blog. So I headed over at the time it was WordPress.com. And so I headed over to WordPress.com and I'm like, I'm going to be following my daughter's blog. But no, I was signing up for a blog. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually started blogging by mistake and thinking that I was following her blog. And, and Kente and Jen, what happened as a result of that, I just felt so empowered, like, oh my gosh, I have my own blog. I can say what I wanna say. I can put my message out there. So in the beginning, I was just like willy nilly. I was all over the place. I was like, I'm just gonna talk about whatever I feel like talking about. Well, as we know, you can't do that. <laughs> you got to have a niche, right? right? But at the beginning, I didn't know that. But I started to explore social media. Like I said, this is back in 09, right? So I started using Twitter a little bit and then Facebook. And then I found out I could actually promote my blog. So what I did was 
as I would learn things, I would write a blog post because I didn't want to forget it. Right. So, <laughs> so I kind of was doing it for myself. But that's what my audience liked. My audience liked when I would do tutorials and I actually liked doing them too. So that's kind of like where I found my sweet spot of doing tutorials and kind of teaching tech and everything that when I learned something, I would teach it. And so that's really my origin story. <laughs> you know, what's interesting. That's kind of what happened with me. I, um, I started a blog, not really to even make it for the public. It was like, there was all these stories I would be talking about with friends and family. And I wanted the, I wanted just to put the content somewhere together. So I would send it to like, you know, I would say, Hey, you know, so that instead of just me talking about it, they can see what I was talking about. And it, my dumb butt didn't even realize that, you know, other people were going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was like a lot of people were like, oh, they wanted the information too. So next thing you know, I had this blog on, it was on blogger and people were really into it. Like, you know, the information that I was putting out there, like to the point where they were wanting the information. And at that time, I really didn't understand how powerful it was. I mean, I did on some levels, but I, I have, I have now, I would have a greater appreciation, but, um, you know, cause in my mind was the, really the only people that were seeing it was the people I was sending it directly to the links or whatever. And then I'm like, wait a minute, it's like thousands of people like looking <laughs> at this stuff. So, um, it's really interesting that, that, you know, we have a similar kind of origin when it comes to that, the blogging aspects of it. So, um, you meant, you brought up something very interesting about, um, needing to have something very niche. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, okay, let me go back to that same example when I started the blog. Here was my tagline. I'm going to talk about love, life, music, and anything else that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to have a blog that was just all over the place. And believe me, in the beginning I did. I was talking about um you know, music, and I talked about my grandmother, who, like I said, who used to live here, who passed away. Uh, you know, I did a little talking about that, and, you know, and it was just like, when you have people that subscribe or that follow you, they kind of want to see the same type of content, at least in the same realm. They don't want to know everything you do. Not unless it's on Instagram. <laughs> when you're talking about a real piece of content or a real content hub, like a blog, a YouTube channel, a podcast, you can't really expect to build a following unless you're a celebrity. Right. You just have that many friends, right? But when you're building an audience and when you're getting people to know, like, and trust you, okay. You got to focus on someone who is attracted to the type of content you're talking about. Okay. So like you did an intro here and you talked about content creators. So everybody who follows you or that follows this program or subscribes to your channel knows that even though there might be different types of content creators, like maybe there's somebody who does recipes one day, and then maybe there's somebody who does fashion another day, but 
they're content creators and that's your niche. Right. I, I, and I had to learn that because very early on, uh, my first YouTube channel, I was all over the place, you know, and I had, you know, one minute I'm talking about this thing and that thing, because, you know, I'm someone who has a lot of different interests. And I realized that, you know, you would lose subscribers really fast when you jump around and all of that stuff. And so to, to, and I noticed even when starting podcasts, you want it to be, have like a kind of a narrow focus because you know, you'll lose people. Like they really don't like a lot of that. I remember I started a, a podcast where we're interviewing people from different, um, like there was on different TV shows and stuff like that. And I know I would, I would, um, promote it as this person is on this specific show right at that moment. And I realized something that, um, that people started feeling like, okay, if I didn't watch that certain show that I would, that this particular podcast had no value to them. So I stopped doing that. And I started, I started, um, promoting that show as these are, you know, different people that's in the industry. So it was the industry show more than, you know, this person was on, you know, Dexter or whatever show they're on. So that's very interesting. And, you know, like I, like I said, I said this in the pre-show, the thing that I love about your content is you help people who are trying to become content creators on whatever platform, but you don't shame them for not knowing because you just don't know until you know. Right. And a lot of it is trial and error. And even those people who claim they're experts and they know everything and they've, you know, I've never made any mistakes. They're lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, oh, we, that's right. And, and, you know, with that said, and I know people sometimes they may be intimidated by, you know, I don't know. I've got all these different interests. I don't know. I, I like to write and I like to sing or maybe you're a musician and you're, you're just like, I'm not sure. I don't. Just remember, guys, you can always change. It's always a, a growth process. It, you can always transition. You can always morph into a different genre or a different niche. But the point is to start creating content so you can find out what works. You might think that's what you want to do. You you want to write about a specific topic. And then six months into it, you're like, I, I don't think I really want to write about that. But you were writing. You were still growing an audience. You were still seeing what it's like to build content, to promote that content, learning the different platforms. So you were still on the right track. Then you announced to your audience, okay, it's going to be a little shift. I'm going to uh, maybe, for example, you might be doing an interview show and then you realize that you don't like doing interviews or it's, it's a problem uh, getting people to come in at the time when you want them to, or, or whatever the case may be. And then you just tell people, we're going to make a change here at the station or at the channel or, or at the blog, whatever it is. And we're going to start doing solo broadcast or maybe you even put it out there to your audience and you ask them, what would you like? What do you guys like to see more interviews? or more solo or storytelling. So just remember that you can morph. It's okay to change. It's not a statue, okay? Right. <laughs> it's your content and it can grow and it can transition and it can evolve. Now, when you know, I, oh, go ahead. I'm oh. sorry, Jen, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you know, I think that this is one of the, uh, one of the strangest 
issues in content creation that people don't pay attention to that they should. And that is that understanding processes and system architecture is just as important, sometimes through trial and error, as the actual content is. I, I started back when, remember when movable type was a thing? That was a long time ago. Oh, wow. um, and I learned using this movable type system how to create blog uh, content that I could then port to regular HTML pages, but it was a big process for me. And only by creating the content could I understand the system and the processes. So sometimes when I think we are being creative, we forget that they that there's a big learning experience attached to all of this. And we sort of have to be a little bit more forgiving of ourselves about that process. Because even if you see it as a failure, it's actually a stepping stone to whatever your next level is. You know, that's one of my favorite quotes. Obstacles do not block the path. They are the path. Mm -hmm. So enjoy that. Savor that moment as you're learning. And, you know, you may see that, oh, gosh, I'm not getting that much traction. I'm not getting that much engagement on a specific thing. So you might have to tweak something. But value those that audience that you do have. So if you have five subscribers or if you have 5,000 subscribers. Value those five just as you would the 5,000. Amen. Right. That's for sure. Now, I have a long history about being late to the game. Uh, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, back in the day, back in the day, uh, there was this thing called Black Planet, right? And I got into that later than, you know, I got into it past the point that it was popping, right? And then, you know, Friendster came out. I didn't really get into that. Uh, MySpace came out. Everybody, you had to be on MySpace. Uh, you know, I got to that late to the game. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of that, right? Um, so I have two questions for you. How do you know what platforms you should be involved with? And then also, how can you tell, how, do, how can you see it before it becomes a thing too? Is there a way to it? Is there a way to 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 check out you know to to be ahead of the game and how do you figure out which platforms you should be involved with i like those questions and, and nobody's asked me that before so i have to think about that so i will say that my strategy with that has changed mm. over time because just what we were talking about earlier blab we were all taking a risk by going over to blab because blab was this new thing that was on the scene and a lot of people, uh, they kind of lost out, not not 100%, but they lost out on their content because if they did not get their content and download that content, they lost it. Right. Okay. Because like I said, they shut down overnight. So because of that, I learned a lesson. And I, at this point, I'm sticking to the platforms that seem to have uh, more of uh, stable financial backing. Right. It doesn't mean I won't experiment. So, for example, I like YouTube. I like, you know, well, I ain't going to say I like Facebook, but I'm on Facebook, <laughs> mm -hmm. Twitter, okay? But there's another platform that people that are on Google Plus 
have thought about experimenting with looking at, and it's called MeWe. Hmm. I am proceeding with caution. It's a chat. It has nothing to do with live streaming. I am proceeding with caution. So I will check it out, do a little bit more due diligence. Whereas before I just dove in and was on that platform or was on Blab every day. Right. But now I'm being more cautious watching uh, another platform as you you mentioned that I'm also a podcaster. So when it comes to podcasting, people think about Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Google Podcasts is the new thing that's on the scene. And then you have all the different podcasting hosts. Well, Anchor is a podcasting host that's new on the scene. And I'm willing to take a risk because I already have my platform established on podcasting. So people say, well, what happens if they shut down overnight? I'm making sure I keep my content. Okay. Cause we, we already been down that road, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, okay. They shut down overnight. Now it's kind of like, eh, whatever. Cause I already been down that road, but I don't want to see that happen to someone else who's in the process of like, just, Building up steam, but creating content and just getting used to it. Don't get too married to any of these platforms. Remember, your audience is what's really important. Now, I like I said, I like to recommend to stick with the bigger platforms, even Twitch. People say, well, why are you experimenting with Twitch? Well, Twitch is owned by Amazon. Last time I checked, they're the big kahuna. Okay, when it comes to, <laughs> I don't have to worry about right, right. Amazon shutting Twitch down in the middle of the night. Not saying they wouldn't shut it down, but not in the middle of the night. Okay, so I, I kind of like to stick to the bigger platforms. And then from there, experiment every now and then with something that looks, but proceed with caution, do your due diligence and check on the people, check on, make sure the platform is secure and all that. Do a little searches to see if people are talking about, you know, the platform not being secure or there being a lot of trolls on the platform or whatever. Do all of that before you start telling people, come find me on such and such, you know, like I said, me, we, I understand that one of their things is about being very secure. But before I would actually make a big announcement to my audience and say, everybody, I'm all in on MeWe, I would have to spend time there. I would have to do my research and all that. For right now, I'm telling people, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, those are my primary platforms. But I do also use Twitch. Hey, I I have a question for you, <clears throat> and this is <clears throat> excuse me. This is specifically related to the way that we use social media as people first, and then as like we were talking about before, our niche environments. So there are some platforms that lend itself to creating those niche environments, and podcasting is one. Uh, blogging is another. But when it comes to the overall social media experience, unless you create multiple uh, profiles, your, as an example, your Twitter feed tends to be a representation of sort of who you are with the niche and without the niche. And I am curious about how you perceive the use of Twitter 
as uh, a promotional kind of tool for yourself, but also allows you to still sort of use the profile as the platform intends for you to use it, which is aggregating other people's content, pushing that out, sharing things that are uh, of relevance that you think that people who are with you will find relevant as well. Could you touch on that a little? Oh, okay, sure. Well, one of the things that I've done over the years, I've got a collection of tools, tools that I use to curate content. So whereas the average person may go on Twitter, scroll down their feed and see something interesting and then share it, I have all these uh, content curation hubs that I use to find other content that I share mixed in with my own promotion, promotional content. For example, one of them is called um, BuzzSumo. BuzzSumo is a tool that you can use to find out like what's the popular content, what's the most shared content. Then there's another one that I use that's called Viral Content B. That's from my friend Ann Smarty. And Viral Content B is one where people submit their own content for others in the community to share. Biz Sugar is another one. I, I've got a bunch of them. <laughs> I could go on and on. Q, which is another one that's kind of up and coming that I, once again, proceeded with caution into. And Q uh, is one that you guys may not have heard of. It's Q, U, U, U. And it's a platform where you can go and discover content that's been vetted. Mm -hmm. Also to have your content shared. Oh, and you know what? Earlier when I was talking about platforms, I forgot to mention LinkedIn. And I know a lot of people are using LinkedIn or they may be thinking about, uh, do I have time for LinkedIn? But I want to also throw them in with being a major player because, you know, they're owned by Microsoft. So... So, so is are you of the opinion then that people should create multiple uh, profiles or that you should maintain simply one presence by which you are always redefining? Because I, I'm, I, I struggle with this myself, right? My Twitter handle is very much an eclectic mix of a lot of the things that I find to be interesting, things that I've done, things that I would like to promote out. But the but the 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 more niche sort of uh, environment that we're talking about would almost require a totally separate handle in order to deal with that. And so I'm just curious about how you think that where the line is between your content creation and your social media presence. Okay. All of everything you just said. <laughs> okay, but what? Here's what I mean, uh, and I'll use. I'll just start with Twitter. First, I think that people should proceed. Uh, think about their time. Think about how much time they want to devote to social media, and how much content they even have to share. Okay, so let's just say you're starting with the one platform because everybody probably already has Facebook. So let's just say you're starting with Twitter. You have your Twitter lists. Twitter lists are just an incredible way to streamline that content. So I have all of my podcasters in one list. 
So when I just want to talk about podcasting, I go to my Twitter list about podcasting and that's what I either look for or engage with and so forth. Then, and I use Hootsuite to do that because it's very easy to see those columns on Hootsuite. Then you mentioned having additional profile. Yes, I have another profile. In fact, when I started uh, getting into Anchor, I found out a lot of people are looking for a free podcast host. So I started a whole entire Twitter profile and and a podcast called Free Podcast Host. (laughs) (laughs) Years ago, I started, you know, I, I mentioned my story of starting with blogging. So the blog that when I decided I wanted to have a niche, right, I started basic blog tips in 2010. I have a Twitter handle for basic blog tips, but everybody doesn't have the bandwidth to have three Twitter accounts, a Facebook, a YouTube. A, right. You know, if you don't have the bandwidth, don't feel bad. Do what you have the bandwidth for. Pick the platform that you like, and and work with with that one. Okay. I think I covered all of the because you had oh, like yeah, a definitely. multifaceted question. I think I, I on everything. That's you her. Did. That's her middle name is multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm a person out there. I, I've seen Ken Tay's podcast. I, I've seen you know. I've seen Jan. I've seen Eileen. Now I think you know what I can throw my hat in the ring too, and I can do it. These guys can do it. I can do it. Right. So how would you? How would you uh, coach somebody who thinks that they could be a podcaster as far as how to get started, as well as how much should they invest as far as money into the beginning of their their uh, four way into uh, uh, podcasting and, okay. and streaming? So, so first you would start off with what what is your budget? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have a lot of long money to spend on these hobbies, podcasting. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of other people are kind of like, I actually have no money. <laughs> so start with Anchor. Mm-hmm. Start with Anchor. Start with the free. You know, and people say, oh, my God, like I said earlier, what happens if it shuts down? Save your content. And if you have to, you move to another platform once you start making money. Because the easiest way to make money online for just about anybody is affiliate marketing mm-hmm. okay so you have you recommend products and uh, amazon is the easy one to do because they sell everything including food they even do home repairs and all that stuff now right so you start with that and as you start to make money then that's when you see that you need to start investing it back into building your content so with in my case, I started before there was a free podcast host, right? I started with Lipson, was my first podcast host. And it was twenty bucks. And it's like that to me is a small investment for me in getting my message out. Okay. But there are other free resources. You definitely always want to try to have good audio. Even if you're doing video, you want to have an external microphone if you're doing it from your computer. If you're on your phone, you want to try to get like a lavalier microphone. And then a lot of these USB mics will actually plug into your phone. I've got videos about all this, guys. Yes, she does. (laughs) 
So you want to, cause you want to make sure that, you know, maybe your first couple episodes, you're just doing it from your phone and, or you're doing it from the built-in computer, a built-in mic on your computer because you just want to get started. Don't let that stop you from getting started. Just go, go, go. Cause guess what? In the beginning, nobody's listening to you anyway. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So you got to get it out there. You got to get used to knowing what it takes to do a podcast, knowing what it takes to start writing articles. If you're going to start a blog, go with wordpress.com. Go with Blogger. You mentioned Blogger. I forgot to tell you guys, I got about five Blogger blogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go with your, Don't think because, you know, I don't have any money. If As long as you can type somehow and you, you've got thoughts in your head, even you don't have to type, you can talk. There's, you know what I mean? So there's so many ways that you can get your content out there even for free and it's just going to give you the opportunity to it's going to make you feel better because first of all you're expressing yourself and you're you're getting your thoughts together and you're going to look back maybe five months maybe three years from now and say oh my gosh i was just all over the place but you had to get started because if you don't get started Three years from now, you'll say, ah, oh, I sure wish I would have started a podcast. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Just get started with whatever equipment you have. I do recommend if you're going to start uh, and you have money to invest, I do have an Amazon shop. And we can get that link over in the description. But, you know, head over there, look through my mic recommendations. I have tripod recommendations or maybe you just want to do live streams uh from your phone things like that like the webcam i'm using right now all that stuff is over on my amazon shop and uh you know get started with whatever you can afford don't feel like oh my gosh i can't afford anything so i can't start making content because at this point in time guys there are so many platforms that are fighting for our content that there's always a way you can get started for free. Content is king. Yes, definitely. Yeah, no, you know, I, I just got invited by Facebook. You know, people were talking about how hard it is to get into this Facebook program called Facebook Watch, which you can earn money from Facebook. Hard to believe, right? But anyway, I got the invitation this morning. And I have, no exaggeration, 255 people following my Facebook page. And I know people that have huge followings on Facebook with thousands and thousands of pages of followers or fans or likes, whatever you want to call them. And they're still waiting for their invitation. But I don't know what got me on Facebook's radar, if it's because of my YouTube, because remember, they're fight, they're all competing for one another, right? So they might see me over on Twitch and say, hey, this girl's a content creator. She's on YouTube. She, I, other, other than that, I don't know why. So to get back to the question, just use the resources that you have or do a little research through my Amazon shop, or you find some other content creator that you really like their style, or you really like the way they do things, you find out what mics they're using or what lighting they're using and so forth, 
and you start building, but don't try to do everything overnight. Don't say, oh my God, I can't start until I get my studio with my high PR 40 mic and my mixer. And my No, you don't have to wait for any of that. Get started. Cause like I said, in the beginning, nobody's listening. This is just you. Right. How to create content. Right, right. And, and um, great, great information. Definitely. Uh, I want to give a real quick shout out to one of our fellow ex-blabbers, uh, Patricia A. Murray, who I love her so much. She's a wonderful person and great content creator in her own right. Um, OK, so let me let me ask this question. Um, and uh, I don't know. It depends on your answer, uh, how Jen will feel about it. Uh, do we still need dot coms? Are those still necessary? You know, I always feel like you need to have your own home base because mm-hmm. you know, as we've said, we've gone down this the this path of talking about these sites that shut down, even when it's like Google Plus, right? We've just got the biggest company, one of the two biggest companies in the world is shutting down their social platform. So let's say you, you go over to me where you don't like it. You don't like Facebook. You don't Twitter. That's not your thing. Where are you going to tell people to go? To your website. Right. <laughs> this is how you build your email list. This is how you uh, really establish your presence online. When people go and Google your name, the first thing that comes up should be your .com or .net if you couldn't get the .com because you got a common name or something. But yeah, I still think you should have it. Even if you do, like I said, a free WordPress blog, a free blogger blog, whatever it takes, you go register a domain. You can register a domain with Namecheap or GoDaddy for like $10. So everybody's got $10 if they're on the internet, right? Right, right. Jen, <laughs> Jen is so happy because, you know, that's, she, that's what she does. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad I have a little bit of job security left because, yeah, that's, that's important. That's really important. Because there, there was like a period of time where so-called experts were saying, you don't need dot-coms no more. You have social media. That's where the kids are at. And I'm like, no, you, you really do need your own website. It's still, you know, you know it's it, still important. It, it, it's funny because I think that people actually uh, use – dot coms to verify what they see on social media so you can push out a lot of different content on social media but if you can't back it up with something that is anchored to a dot com a lot of times people will say well you know does that actually exist is there really this here the moment that you put something into uh, a fixed page into something that actually is anchored to a dot com all of a sudden it lends credence to the content itself so it's an interesting psychology that happens between the two yes and uh you know i think that sometimes you i'm sorry for that that's a DeMarco oh i thought it was me i was like oh what, what? <laughs> oh, okay i was like is, is that a fire alarm or something okay okay <laughs> but um <clears throat> I think sometimes you see these so-called, I'll use my air quotes, gurus that will kind of say what people want to hear them say. You know, people are very hot on social media now. People are into Instagram. They're into Facebook. And so that's just what they want to hear. You don't have time for a website? You don't have to worry about that. You don't need no website. (laughs) (laughs) Don't believe the hype, people. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, also, uh, let's talk about engagement with your audience. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I love about doing live streaming is that you have that engagement with your audience, um, you know, back and forth. Uh, you know, normally we have it uh, a way for people can call in and stuff like that. Um, you know, um, for those who, who do especially live stuff or even not live stuff, even if you have uh, a pre-recorded show that you, you put into the, um, you know, put out there. Um, what are some advices that you give on how to engage with your audience, how to get your audience uh, more engaged? Um, because a lot of people, you know, you'll hear, you know, sometimes you get a caller and they'll be like a long time listener, first time caller, you know, or something like that. Is there ways to promote more engagement? Yeah, and I think you've done a, an excellent job of that today. And I just want to make sure I chime in on, on what you've done here. And you've said hi to everybody who's here. Sniff Sniff is here. Leah, the life coach. Patricia A. Murray, my homie. Okay. <laughs> you know, and whoever comes into your chat, you you want to be able to reach out to them and you want to acknowledge them. Uh, the platform that I use when I do my live streams is called Be Live. And I'm sorry, it's called Ecamm Live. I'm sorry, I was talking about Be Live earlier today. That's why I said <laughs> it's called Ecamm Live. And Ecamm Live, one of the reasons why I love that platform, what it lets me do, and actually you can do this with Be Live as well, is pin people's comments up at the top of the their, your video which you can't do that with hangouts, unfortunately. Right, yeah. But it's another helpful tool that you can use to uh, increase that engagement. And, you know, if you can have having people on, like what you're doing now with having an, an interview, that's another way. You know, you may want to interview somebody who really um, – may not be somebody who has a big following or something like that. You just want to interview one of your listeners or one of your audience members. I have another tool that I use that's called SpeakPipe so that people can leave me voicemails no matter what. Oh. So all they have to do is go over to my SpeakPipe page and I'll give you guys that link in case anybody wants to leave me a voicemail. It's Eileen dot link slash voicemail so you you have those little tools available to you you reach out and find those tools that can facilitate that constant engagement like for example i don't like giving out my email address because right now because i have that blog basic blog tips i get maybe a dozen emails every day people asking me for guest posts on basic blog tips mm -hmm. <laughs> wow Oh, <laughs> so I have an alternate because I use Lipson for my podcast. Lipson has a contact page. So I use that instead. And it makes people fill in their all their information. And it also has a little captcha on the page. This way I don't have to worry about having that plug in on my blog with the, with the captures and stuff. So, you know, just whatever kind of tools that you can find to facilitate that, just go ahead and do that. Now, um, 
within the last year or so, um, they YouTube did this big demonetization thing, and they're very like hardcore um, when it comes to demonetizing videos and whatnot. Which you know, I I told people that that day was coming, and most people act like it was just going to last forever. You know, um, and before that, but definitely after that, you saw a lot of people really hitting the Patreon. Uh, you know, really trying to direct their listeners to support them financially through Patreon. And um, so I, my my take is, uh, what, what's your take on the whole demonetization thing, as well as um, Patreon, using Patreon to get, you know, revenue? Oh, you're muted. You're muted. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh because of the microwave sounds and stuff. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm actually using Patreon and um, I love it. I love how you can make a way for people to support you and also at the same time to make perks available for them. So to have special things that you only give to those people who value your content to the point that they want to mo- uh, monthly give you some type of a it's really uh it's like a tip right. it's like a tip you know because uh i think the highest pay subs- uh patreon that i have right now is 12 dollars, and you might wow that's a lot right but then again it's really it's 12 dollars for a month so <laughs> it's it's just a show of support you know, so I love Patreon. I've done tutorials about Patreon, how to set up your page, how to get create your perks and all that. And then also on the Anchor platform, give a shout out once again to my girl, Patricia A. Murray here from the Durham Skywriter. She's doing listener support for me over on uh, Anchor. And you can support for $5 or a dollar a month or $10 a month. So I love those ideas. Now, personally, as far as YouTube is concerned, I never had any problems with the apocalypse. <laughs> but what I will say about it is I think that people, a lot of times, um, they kind of blame YouTube because people kind of think of YouTube as kind of like Big Brother. But it's really to the benefit of uh, folks because they're putting content out that is uh, not really good to have ads on. Now, my thing is I'm not really a huge fan of ads, of advertisers, even on my podcast and, and all that. Right. But for some reason, people think that's the only way they can monetize their content is with advertising. You know, right. and it's like one of the reasons I stopped listening to the radio and then to begin with and started listening to podcasts because I don't like ads. <laughs> right, right. But these advertisers are picky and they if you're talking about a certain topic, they don't want their ads because then it doesn't represent their company well. And, you know, I, I just kind of wish that folks would kind of steer away from so much relying on that advertising as a way to monetize not saying that you shouldn't do it because i i definitely do it on youtube and i definitely you know at least 
get a, a payout enough that maybe it covers my hosting fees. Maybe it covers my podcast hosting fees and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it is my content. But YouTube really is the one who benefits overall because of all the content creators. This is why, like I said earlier, these platforms are all fighting for us because we're the product. We're creating the content that they make money off of. All they do is give us a platform. Right. Right. Um, now, as you know, I, as I said, I'm a big admirer of your work and I could talk to you for hours, but we only have uh, an hour with you today. So um, we're at the point of the show that I affectionately love to call rapid fire. And the way that rapid fire works is that me and Jen will pepper you with questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So the first question that we always start off with is uh, a couple of years ago at Coachella, they did a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. What dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of? Prince. Hey, I, I can't <laughs> go wrong with that. Prince I, I, I didn't even have to double. I didn't even have to think more than two seconds on that. Prince, I absolutely love. And honestly, speaking of advertising, let me just rant a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, Prince never wanted his music to be on YouTube, and he uh, he did not like the fact that you know, the advertisers and the way things were monetized. Okay. So of course, after his passing, you know, his estate, those folks, they got to have a way to kind of, you know, like make ends meet, right. Cause right. they got the mansion and everything. Right. Right. <laughs> so they started releasing his videos little by little by little. Okay. Two days ago, I heard a commercial with Prince's music in the commercial. And I said, I bet you he is turning in his grave. Bad enough. Y'all got him on YouTube. Now y'all adding them onto the commercial. <laughs> oh, I, man. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just know from the artist, because I remember when I looked for his videos, this is when he was alive. I was looking for his videos, making my playlists and stuff for when I work out at the gym. And I couldn't find any Prince music. And when I would find it, the next day would be taken down because he did not want his music on YouTube. But it's it's all you know. Slowly but surely, they're they're up uploading you know. But I hate the fact that I hear it on a TV commercial. I, that just, yeah, he didn't oh, like that. Yeah, yeah Jen. Okay, <clears throat> reach back into your childhood and tell us what book you read as a child that had the most influence on your adult life. Uh, probably, and it's funny because somebody asked on Twitter. I asked earlier today, who was my favorite, my first favorite author? And that would probably be uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. <laughs> and the reason why, because I think knowing that book, and I did a book report on it, and that's probably why it you know, resonates with me. And thinking about different ways of looking at the world because you know as a child you're raised up with all your your parents values and their religions and their culture and all of that stuff right we're all everybody is like that okay your parents are raising you of course they want to instill you with their their values and their culture and to be exposed to the fact that there was other religions and other cultures and other 
That blew my mind as a child. Good answer. Really good answer. You know, you know, what's interesting. You said that um, my father, who, who passed away in 2013, um, when during the, uh, the the Watts riots, my father had been in an accident right before it happened and he was in the hospital. It was a very bad accident. And during that time, he read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And he always said that book changed his life forever. And my father, you know, is an act was an activist and uh you know a community leader and stuff like that and he said that book totally changed his way of viewing the world and and, and a lot of stuff so it's a very important work of uh by uh, alex haley definitely yeah yes all right so uh what is your uh favorite guilty pleasure junk food um the cheese twist the honey what are, what are they? Honey cheese twists. <laughs> they're hot. Okay, that's it. They're hot and they're honey cheese twists. They stick on my teeth and I mean, they they have no nutritional value whatsoever. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> you can say. Oh yes, chocolate. You know it could you know give you a little caffeine. It could soothe you and you know there's some medicinal thing there, right? But with the hot honey cheese twists. And I know you guys may not be able to even get them where you are. I know they have them here in Philly. There is, I don't even know if there's any food there. It's just just flavor crystals. Uh huh. Yes. (laughs) All right, Jim. Okay. uh, uh, My question to you, and this is a little bit different from questions that I normally ask, but once again, reaching back into your childhood, what are what what would you say is your favorite holiday based on your childhood memories wonderful wonderful question and it is and it still is today thanksgiving because you know and i'm one of those people that i'm not even though i was just talking about um malcolm x and other religions i am a christian but i don't celebrate christmas I don't put up decorations and all because at some point in my life, I realized that most of the people that I really want to buy gifts for don't even want what it is that I want to buy them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, why does Christmas have to be about buying gifts? So once I realized that I was anti-Christmas, I started really thinking about what is the real holiday when families really get together and really uh, talk about, you know, the love that they have for each other and share those memories. And it's, you know, family wide, eat good food, just, you know, there's no gifts involved. There's no real pressure except on the person who's cooking the meal. And, you know, you just make it a potluck if if that's the case. And, you know, I've had in this house where I live, like I said, I live in the house that was my grandmom's house when I was growing up. And so I have wonderful memories of these five layer cakes that my grandmom used to make and all the wonderful, you know, stuffing and greens and macaroni and cheese and all that wonderful wonderful things that we used to eat and um, just have a wonderful, lovely time with family. Wow. Well, we're all coming to your house for Thanksgiving. I know, <laughs> right. We're going to have them cheese twists. <laughs> all I have is the memories, so if y'all don't mind eating those, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Is a thing. My daughter has them. My daughter has some of the recipes because my mom passed them on to her. But me, I'm like, okay, I can go have a turkey sandwich now and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is our last question. Um, we always end with this one. You got to help a brother out. Okay. So a young man is dating a young lady. Or he's going on his first date with a young lady in Philadelphia. So you got to give him advice. What is the perfect date to take a young lady out on in Philadelphia? In Philadelphia, I would say that you don't want to um, go and do the traditional get a cheesesteak from Pat's because that's not the real cheesesteaks. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. So we do have some amazing music venues here and one being the Kimmel Center, the Man Music Center, the Dell. So if there's a concert anywhere near the time when you start dating this young lady, that concert of the kind of music that you guys both may like, I would suggest to go to one of those premier venues that we have, like I said, the Kimmel Center, the Man Music Center, or uh, the Dell. And that's where they have the outdoor concerts and stuff in the summertime. Go there and you'll have, because Philly is a music town. Mm-hmm. So you, two thumbs up. All right. All right. I'm going to have to remember that if I ever go on a date in Philadelphia. I, I will, I if if it works, I will take credit for it. If it don't work, I'm going to say uh, my good friend, <laughs> I lean told me to do it. So. So I'm covered either way. I'm covered, but I'm sure it'll, right. it'll be fine. Oh, wow. This has been so much fun, yes. guys. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's. I'm so glad that we were able to get you on the show. And how can people get you in social media and such and tell us about your websites and what should we be on the lookout for as far as your content is concerned? Okay. So the first thing that you guys have to do, even though my name is pronounced Eileen, you have to know how to spell my name, and then then you can find me everywhere. So what I do is I kind of like to sing it. So it's I-L-E-A-N-E, I-L-E-A-N-E. So if you can remember that, you can find me on every platform just about on the Internet. And if you can't find me under that handle, I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, anything we should be on the lookout for as far as your content? Every weekend I go live on YouTube. So just look, subscribe to the YouTube channel and get hit that little bell notification so you'll know when I go live. All right. I mean, I can talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to go to Jen. How can people get you on social media and such? I am on Twitter at following bliss one. I am on the web at moviesmakethemeal.com. And now that I know a little bit more about content creation, I think I should head over to my other blog, criticallaughswith2ls.com, and make some new content. All right. I love it. I love it. You can get me on Twitter at KenteF. That's K-I-N-T-E-F on Twitter. On Instagram, you can get me Kente Ferguson. That's K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N. Um, you can go to our website, which is IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, we will not be on Wednesday uh, due to the fact that it's Halloween. 
Um, so, uh, but we will be on tomorrow for all new episode of men and women talk, the Mars Venus show. So we have a special episode, uh, tomorrow as well. So with all that said, you guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend with a little bit left. There is uh, God bless. And we'll see you next time right here on IndieRadio.org. Get to Old Navy right now. Get up to 40% off jeans, outerwear, and tees. Plus, grab stylish new jeans from just 18 bucks for adults, 12 for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Hurry, ends tonight. Valid 1020 to 1028, select styles only.